Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, the DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Friday, December 2nd. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. It's one of the worst feelings. You're all excited to get your mail, and then you see you've got a speeding ticket. Well, one Maryland man decided to fight a $100 ticket. It took three years. But as our Jack Moore tells us, he not only beat the ticket, he may have changed how you can contest a speeding ticket in the future. And if they can show proof that they can show evidence that their sign was blocked, then the district cannot enforce that speed ticket against them. And what you listen to says a lot about you, some say. Luke tells us which artists our region likes the most. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. So back in 2019, John Galbraith got a speeding ticket along Military Road, just past Nebraska Avenue in northwest D.C., It's easy to pick up speed on this stretch of road. It's downhill, and it's a straight shot. I should know. I grew up blocks away from this place, and I've gotten my share (laughs) of speeding tickets, paying them all, of course. Of course. But that's not what Galbraith did. He put up a fight that changed the rules around speeding tickets. And to learn how, we bring in WTOP's Jack Moore. Jack, we're back together again. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) After um, our... Some may remember when we did this other podcast called 22 Hours, but this is not what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about (laughs) speeding tickets. First of all, how did you find this story? So, by accident, sheer accident, there is a um, a website where the D.C. Court of Appeals posts its opinions. And they this is D.C.'s highest court. Mm. So trials start off in D.C. Superior Court, and then if you appeal, they go to the D.C. Court of Appeals. They are the final arbiter of D.C. laws. Yeah. And they post all their opinions there. And I just make a habit, call me, call me crazy, of just, You're crazy of just combing through them and looking for interesting things. Now, for the most part, they're highly legalistic. They're things beyond my capacity to understand. But I just, you know. You peruse. Peruse them. Yes. And this one, which was posted last month, caught my eye because it was about a $100 speeding ticket. And I thought, hey, I know what that's about. You know, let me keep reading this opinion and see. Yeah. And I just, you know, as I kept reading, I kept learning more, and it sounded like a fascinating story. Mm. Okay. And so before we dive into this legal fight, tell us who John Galbraith is and why he chose to really, you know, do this three years long fight. Well, so um, I did talk to John Galbraith. He says this is about fairness. So when we get into talking about the details of the case, it involved an obscured sign. And he said the sign was not properly posted. So therefore, you know, the drivers, if they can't see what the sign is, how can you enforce a sign against them? Now, one um, important thing to note is he is a lawyer himself. So that... Um, That's a huge part of it. Because anybody else would not hire a lawyer right, to do this. He's not paying someone else to do this. Right. And the car that he was driving is actually registered to the Bright Ideas Company, which is the small firm that he owns and is the sole employee of. The plaintiff is his company rather than him. So he didn't technically represent himself, he represented his company to which the car was registered. So Galbraith is not happy with the speeding ticket he gets on Military Road. What's his first step in this fight? Well, so the first place, if you're going to contest a ticket, you go to the DMV. And what he did, he lives in Baltimore County. He doesn't live in D.C. And he said he was not really all that familiar with D.C. streets. And he pulls up 
on Google Street View where mm. the intersection was, and he sees that five months before, that was the most recent photograph, was from October 2018, mm. he sees that the, the um, speed limit sign is obscured by tree branches. So that kind of f- went on to form the crux of his challenge. So he goes before the D.C. DMV. Now, here's the thing about D.C. streets. They don't have to have a speed limit sign. Where there's no speed limit posted, you have to follow the default speed limit. Mm. Now, at the time, that was 25 miles an hour. It's since been lowered to 20 miles per hour. So where there's no signs, you have to follow the default speed limit. Where there are signs, that's what you follow. Got it. But if you're from Maryland and you don't know the D.C. streets, that's a decent argument. Well, and so he raised the challenge. Well, there was a sign and it was obscured. Right. And so the D.C. DMV said, well, if the sign is obscured, that's the same thing as there being no sign. So you have to go 25 miles per hour. Hmm. And so how fast was Galbraith going at the time? He was going 36 in a 25. Hmm. And remember, he says the sign was obscured. In my mind, he was going like 50. Like, I feel like that's not really, I mean, yes, it's speeding, but it's not really like that much more. Okay, no, yeah, I, I'm a bad driver, I guess. <laughs> it's but, a residential area. You know, kids are running around. But. That's true, yes. Well, that, it, that also was part of his challenge. That this is actually, a four, at this point, it's a four-lane street, mm. which is fairly wide. Yeah. Um, so 35, in his mind, you know, probably wouldn't have seemed all that outrageous. So the D.C. DMV kind of says, no, there's this default speed limit rule. What happens after that? Is that it? Okay, no. So then there's a second layer of challenge. He goes to this adjudication board, three people who, if you lose at your first pass, you can take it here. Mm. And the arbitration board said, if you do not know what the posted speed limit is, the law requires you to travel at 25 miles an hour. So again, that fallback, Mm. even if the sign is obscured, you have to follow the default. Now, it does raise some interesting hypotheticals of, or what if one person doesn't see the sign? Then their speed limit is different from right. other people, you know? Hmm. You know, what if the sign is obscure, but you, but some people could still make it out? So, you know. But wait, like on like 395, if you don't know what the speed limit is, you're supposed to go 20, 20 miles an hour? Sometimes it doesn't make sense. I get that on a residential road, that's the right, that seems to be the right speed. Right, because in that scenario, let's say the posted speed limit's 55, but there's a branch blocking it. Then you can get a ticket for going like the posted speed limit, but that's just because it was blocked and now the default's 25. I'm interested it's in weird. John's just like, you know, tenacity on this, that well, he, he continues to fight this thing. And the kind of scenarios that you're talking about were also referenced by the appeals court decision, which we can get into in a second. Mm. So he loses at the second round. <laughs> there's now, a third round. Now there's a third round. He takes it. He appeals to D.C. Superior Court, which hears you know criminal cases. It hears civil matters. Mm. And if you take a traffic ticket this far, it will hear that too. Wow. And he loses there. <laughs> and the same reasoning, which is if the sign is obscured, it's the same as no sign. You have to go the default speed limit. So this is now getting toward the end of 2019. And there's one avenue left for Galbraith to challenge the ticket, and that is to file an appeal to the D.C. Court of Appeals, D.C.'s highest court, which he does. Wow. And He really doesn't want to pay that $100. <laughs> no, I mean, this is probably amounting to way more than $100 of time and effort at this point. <laughs> well, and actually, I think as this um, process had unfolded, after a certain point, after losing... He did have to pay the fine. So he did end up paying the fine after losing at some at right. one of these rounds. But kept um, fighting. But kept up the legal challenge. Wow. And so it goes to the D.C. Court of Appeals, and they don't have to take a case, but they did. 
they also can simply decide a case based on the legal motions that are filed. So the lawyers, you know, file their mm. arguments and they could just look at the paperwork and, right. and make up their mind. Never see your face. Right. And, yeah. But they schedule this case for oral arguments, which is usually an indication that there's some other legal issues at play that they really want, kind of want to hear tussled out in court. Mm. And it's a signal. It was a signal to the district that they might be in some trouble, <laughs> <laughs> that their practices might be under scrutiny by these appeals court judges. Mm. And one thing to note, and this is in the opinion, that traffic tickets so rarely come to the D.C. Court of Appeals mm. um, because most people just pay their fine and, and That's what on. I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. Like, they're probably interested in it because they never hear anything like this. Right. They say, in the opinion, they say, you know, uh, cases involving traffic tickets are vanishingly rare in the D.C. Court of Appeals. They actually had to kind of comb through their records to find when is the last time we even heard a case and there wow. was once in the past 10 years that involved a traffic ticket. <laughs> so w- what was interesting is after this case was scheduled for oral argument, The district made an interesting move. They tried to refund Galbraith his ticket Mm. and then what what is called in legal parlance, moot out the case. So since his his fine was refunded, he no longer had standing Mm. to continue the lawsuit is what they were trying to say. Right. Now, the appeals court judges did not give this any did not give this the time of the day. Mm. They viewed this as a clear attempt by the district to evade scrutiny of their practices. Wow. And in fact, much of the the opinion is something like almost 30 pages and probably 25 pages are all taken up with kind of chastising D.C. for trying to dismiss this. For being reviewed by D.C.'s highest court. Exactly. So Galbraith gets to this appeals court. There's oral arguments. You know, he's come a long way. What happens after that? I mean, they have oral arguments. What's the decision? Well, the the oral arguments were interesting. They definitely signaled um, kind of the court's intention. There was very withering questioning, I would characterize it, <laughs> of D.C. and kind of musing about some of those absurdities that you all had mentioned earlier, which is if you don't see the speed limit sign or if it's obscured and then you have to go to the default, well, what if you're on a this – is, this was cited in the opinion. What if you're on a stretch of road where the speed limit is 45 miles per hour and you're going 51? So you're going six miles over the posted speed limit. Mm. But if the sign were obscured, you wouldn't be going six miles over the speed limit. Right. If the sign is obscured, the default now would be 20. Right. So you're, you know, someone do the math on me real quick. But actually, whatever you're doing, whatever that amount is, almost 30 miles over. Yeah. That would be a significant um, traffic infraction, which could get you 90 days in jail. Whoa. So the court was pointing out that. You know, that's kind of absurd on its face because there's also traffic regulations which say that you can't be going so slow as to impede the flow of traffic. (laughs) So contradictions are starting to arise. Exactly. So the the oral arguments kind of signaled which way this this was going to go. But the oral arguments took place in October 2021. So that was quite some time ago. It takes the the appeals court works at a very Mm. deliberative pace. (laughs) So that's what I say. So finally, this opinion came down November 10th. It was when it was posted. Oh, my gosh. And they, as I said, they— So much time. <laughs> so much time. So, and they, um, you know, they spent a lot of time chastising the district for trying to get this dismissed at the 11th hour. And then they agreed with Galbraith that um, in areas where there is a posted speed limit, if the speed limit is—if the sign is obscured, then D.C. cannot enforce that speed limit against drivers. Mm. Now, in some sense, it is a narrow 
ruling. And in fact, Galbraith had raised, um, during the oral arguments, had raised much broader constitutional questions about the use of speed cameras in D.C. Mm. and specifically on the default speed limit Mm. that where there are no signs posted, they can enforce the default speed limit, which this decision leaves in place. Right. Um, the, The appeals court did not did not really advance that argument at all. They decided on D.C. traffic regulations. Right. So we mentioned at the top of the interview that this one decision could actually affect how other people get tickets or if they get tickets. It could. No, so it is narrow, but there are potentially other drivers who are in the same circumstances as Galbraith, which is that they were on a road with a posted speed limit and it was blocked or obscured. Maybe there was graffiti. There were vines growing on it or something. And if they can show proof that they can show evidence that their sign was blocked, then the district cannot enforce that speed ticket against them. Mm. And so basically other drivers that were in the same position as Galbraith, when they go to the DMV, now the DMV can no longer use the automatic default speed limit as a fallback. Mm. If the driver has a legitimate defense that the sign was blocked, that's a legitimate defense. Wow. So, so now is D.C. just going out with chainsaws and, and cutting down branches everywhere? Well, actually, yes. So the D.C. <laughs> Department of Transportation said, and they actually say they were doing this proactively starting last summer, to go out and basically do citywide inspections of speed limit signs and other safety signs on roadways to make sure that they're clear of tree branches and tree limbs. And they actually said that in the first round, which was concentrated in wards 6, 7, and 8, that there were something like 4,000 work orders opened to make Mm. speed limit signs more visible. So it gives an indication that this could be a widespread problem if Mm. they had to open 4,000 work orders to make, you know, to clear things up. Okay, so you can't go back and say and and, and fight a ticket that you've already paid. I mean, this is only for people going forward, really. Yeah, this is prospective. So the court's um, decision does set a precedent so going forward, this could be a valid challenge to your to your speeding ticket. It makes sense that D.C. would be so proactive about this because it is a huge rent. I mean, I've seen articles about parking tickets specifically yeah. and how much revenue that generates for the city. But do we have any idea about speeding tickets? Yes. Yeah, so there is some data that it is, has to be reported to the D.C. Council. So let's see. In the first half of the last fiscal year, mm-hmm. D.C. issued more than 485,000 tickets. Wow. Whoa. Specifically for speeding. That doesn't include uh, red light cameras. And that generated a total of more than $47 million in revenue. Wow. Uh, yeah. They want to make sure those signs are clear. And just at the intersection in Military Road that's at the center of this whole case, mm. in the first half of the fiscal year, there were about 4,800 tickets issued, accounting for about $517,000 in fines. Yes. Fine. That is an infamous stretch of road. I went to St. John's College High School, which is just at the top of that hill. They used to have cameras right there, and um, I do not want to admit how many tickets I've got. All the high schoolers like peeling out. Oh my gosh! And how is the council responding to this change? Are they first aware of it, and you know, if they are, what's the reaction to this new ruling from the appeals court? So I did talk to Mary Che, who is the chair of the D.C. Council's Transportation Subcommittee. Now, she is leaving office mm-hmm. at the end of her term in January. But she found this opinion to be very problematic. And she thinks that it kind of opens the door to wider challenges of D.C.'s speed cam tickets, mm. ticketing system. That basically this is an open invitation for drivers to challenge their tickets 
if they can show that it was you know somehow obscured she raises the point that if this is generally available knowledge what i would do is i get the ticket i would go out to where they say i committed the violation and take a picture of the speed limit sign if i see that it's obscured in some way who i don't know how much it has to be obscured whether it's at the proper height whatever that is i'm going to go to the dmv and i'm going to say no i didn't have to comply with this even though i was plainly speeding there's apparently no limit on what I could do on military road that day. And also just overall, the opinion could open the door to other challenges regarding how D.C. enforces speed cameras. Right. I mean, this is all happening when D.C. is trying to make streets safer, like Vision Zero, you know, hasn't been going really well. There's a lot of deaths that have happened for pedestrians and bikers. So, mm-hmm. you know, the overall arching idea of just lowering speeds is kind of the context for this ruling. Exactly. And it is interesting, you know, as you point out, all the attention given to, you know, making streets safer, which I think especially during the pandemic, you know, there was a a surge in pedestrian deaths across the country. And I did talk to Galbraith about this. And, um, you know, just if it made him uneasy at all that, you know, this somehow made it easier to speed. And Mm. he said he was very sensitive to the safety issue. Mm. And he said, but it comes back to D.C., to make sure the signs are clearly posted. And he makes the argument that drivers rely on those signs to know how fast they should be going. Right. I mean, Galbraith in many ways is an ombudsman. You know, he just kind of fought this fight, years-long fight. He got trees kind of cut down a little bit, and maybe signs are going to be clear. I I don't know. Somebody, this, this, this story has generated a lot of interest on Facebook, on Twitter. You know, a lot of people are reacting. Yeah. And somebody said um, that the Galbraith is like if... It's the principle of the matter was a person. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, I feel like it's such a relatable story because everybody, not everybody, God love you if you've never gotten a speeding ticket, but it's it's an awful feeling to get one. And it also makes you feel like you're, you know, not the best driver in the world. Yeah. If this means that DC streets are going to be safer because of it, that's a good thing. One can hope. Jack Moore, thanks for uh, coming on the show to explain it all to us. Thank you. And after the break, we're going to learn a little bit more about one Luke Garrett and what he listens to on the daily, but also what DC listens to. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Explain your DNA on on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. Before we go, Luke really wants to tell us about music. Specifically Spotify Wrapped. I don't know if you guys are listening to us now on Spotify. You might be. Um, But I listen to music on Spotify. And every December, they kind of release your 
past year's music habit. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of nice. It's like kind of a marketing campaign. It's kind of weird because they're like proving to you that they're tracking everything right. you're doing. <laughs> right. But they put it in a nice, you know, artistic, cool little little chart. But if you don't think about it too much and just look at, you know, the data on yourself, it's yeah. interesting. It's pretty nice. And you can actually look into, you know, what regions listen to the most. Okay. And there's a report here on, you know, the D.C. region's most listened to artist. Let me guess. Yes, I'm gonna yes. Guess. Here we DC's go. DC's number one artist. So top five artists. See if you can get at least three. Oh, Jesus. Uh, bon Jovi. <laughs> okay. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, man. And Elton John. None of those oh, made the top damn. five. Ironically, the most listened to artist in this area is Taylor Swift. Now, I say ironically just because she just announced her Eras tour, which we've talked about. And uh, she's not coming to D.C., so, you know, I guess people don't really care that much. Well, here's my question. I mean, she's, like, one of the most popular artists, period. That's true. So isn't she probably at the top of most cities list? Bad Bunny is the top of worldwide charts. Really? Yeah, yeah. He made the top five in uh, D.C. So did Drake, so did The Weeknd, and so did Kanye West. So that's the top five here what's, in the DC what's, what's your top artist? My top? Okay, here's my- Or give my, me one of your top you know, artists. No, here's my Spotify wrapped. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up here. Okay, because I don't have it. Sorry, guys. It's okay. I can't play. All right. So I have a kind of a interesting mix here. So I'll do my top five artists. Number one, Kendrick Lamar. He had a good album um, this year. I go on runs yeah. quite often, and yeah. like I just listen to that album on repeat. So <laughs> Tame Impala, number two. I love Tame Impala. Mm-hmm. Um Number three, the Beatles, kind of like, wow, that's kind of boring. The Beatles, really. But no, the Beatles been, is great to have on, like in the background. No, it's, it's a, yeah. very, everybody knows it. For me, I just got an electric guitar, not just, but a few months ago. And I'm trying to learn how to like, like fill and like do licks and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just play the Beatles in the background on loop and I like, do, 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 just kind of oh, try to do cool. that. So there's that reason. Not that you need reasons. You don't need to justify your rap, by the way, but I'm just doing that here because I'm on a mic. Number four, Babe Rainbow. Don't really know much about them. I, I just, literally have never heard of that yeah, band. Yeah, Babe Rainbow. Okay. Um, I don't know much about them either, other than they have really nice psychedelic, they have a really good psychedelic sound. Whoa. So it's just kind of like my San what Diego vibes. What are you vibes. doing? Oh, okay, okay. Got no, it. it's just like chill, beachy, <laughs> like, you know, like, like Matt DeMarco, like Mac DeMarco, that kind of feel. Okay. Fifth, Beach Boys. Watched a documentary on Brian Wilson recently yeah. and have been obsessed. Yeah. So there we go. That's my Spotify rap. That's pretty varied. Yes. So it's nice. Another cool thing about Spotify, yeah, they like characterize your music habits. You know, they're like, you are a, you know, diehard Swifty or like you are this. They called me like a a time traveler of music. Yeah, I was like, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's pretty good. And so you can go to your friends and say, are you a time traveler or what are you? It's like it's like the new what Hogwarts uh, school are you? I'm a music time traveler. That's what I am. Uh, I kind of feel left out. And if you don't have Spotify, Apple Music is also doing kind of one of these wrapped kind of things. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like, but I have asked <laughs> other people for the wraps, and they've been like, oh, here's my Apple version. Okay, and it, so it's, it's sort of just like an end of, a, end of year totally, usage yeah. type thing. Right, where All you right. Uh, get to just reflect on the fact that everyone is watching. Yeah. Well. And uh, with that, we'll leave it there. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our music is by Real World, not Spotify. Oh, my gosh. Leave a review and rate our show if you get the chance. And uh, follow us on social media where we're posting every single day. You can become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. Yes. 
The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday.